Welcome to another episode of Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and crime. I'm Trish, your bartender for today. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender for today. So grab a cocktail and buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot! Beep beep! Welcome back to another case and another cocktail recipe. My favorite part. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is a two-part episode. Say, so two parts. So this is a this is a fun one for us. I already know what's happening, so maybe you're a little bit more excited about the case this time. But, but usually I'm more excited yes. about the cocktail. <laughs> so for part one, we did a black Russian. And for part two, we figured, why not? Let's do the white Russian, which the really- classic. Yes, it's it's classic. Once one you probably heard of, and it's really not that much different. There's one more ingredient that you need. So again, you do your one and a half ounces of vodka. It's your choice whether you want it to be a regular or a flavored. Flavored's just gonna kind of change your taste profile on it. Try the caramel. Vodka. <laughs> Trust me. Yes. Sloan's new favorite thing is caramel vodka. It's so good. You also have like your vanillas and stuff like that. I would definitely suggest if you're going to do a flavored, just either a regular, a vanilla, or a caramel. Or whipped cream, which yeah. would be vanilla, but they yes. do have both. <laughs> but so one and a half ounces of that, and then you're going to want to do equal parts of your next two ingredients. So you're going to want to do Kahlua. Or some sort of coffee liqueur. And you're going to want to do 0.5 ounces. And then you're going to want to do 0.5 of your cream base. Whether that is half and half. Milk. Coffee creamer. Coffee creamer. At work we Bailey's. At work we use a melted ice cream mix. Yeah, it's You can only buy it through through restaurants. But it is freaking delicious. Or just melt your ice cream. Yes. That's all it is. But you want to do 0.5 ounces of that. What we're doing for this is our Carolyn's Irish cream. And like I said, you just pour this all over ice. You don't want to shake it because it doesn't mix well that way. You want to pour it all over ice and then give it a stir. And then you just enjoy. And like I said, this is a classic. This is one that most people know. You can vary the taste of it just depending on whatever you put in it. Yeah. This is just the classic. Like we said, this is something... We're both bartenders. This is something that people will come in. It's not on our menu at our restaurant, but people come it in gets and ordered. Order. Yes. yes. <laughs> and you can also just, like like Trish was saying, you can just alter it a little bit. Change the vodka flavor. Change the ice cream you put in it. Change whatever Depending the hell on what you, you do, want. It depends on if it's going to be sweeter, if it's going to be more bitter, yes. anything like that. Like, the Black Russian we made last week is way more... I wouldn't say bitter, but it's definitely, like... It's a coffee. It is in-your-face coffee. <laughs> coffee slash alcohol. Yes. Whereas with the White Russian, whenever you add that cream, milk, whatever, you're kind of... It dulls of, it down. Yes. So, depending on what your preference is, is what you're going to prefer between the Black Russian or the White Russian. For me, I prefer the White Russian. Yes. I am a coffee person, but... I'm not like a black coffee person, so I, I like, I need, yes, I need a creamer or something. So this is definitely a white Russian is more up my alley, but I wanted to try both just so I could make a yep. decision, I guess. But if you want to see a recipe for this in person, rather than just listening to this, you can go to our Instagram. We do post a recipe card. We also do a reels on Instagram, on TikTok, we do a video of us making the episode of the cocktail <laughs> making a video of the cocktail all that if you go to facebook it'll reference you to everything yes. it's all tequila she wrote if you have any cocktail suggestions or anything for us send us an email tequila she wrote at gmail.com and yeah check us out every tuesday and friday we're always up 
by, I think, 1 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yes, usually. But Tuesdays, Fridays is when we release. We're usually pretty good about making sure it's up, like, first thing in the yes. morning. We also have our Patreon officially up and running. Woohoo! We have, um, by the time that this comes out, we will be getting ready to post our February episodes. Yes. So look for every month we post a monthly bonus episode. We post a quote-unquote ruining paradise episode. We post a haunted episode. Mm-hmm. We're doing a happy hour monthly ask me anything each tier, depending on what you pay, is dependent on what you get. So check us out at patreon.com. I believe it's patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. Uh, we also have those links in our social profiles, but it will break down those tiers for you so you'll know what you're getting based on what you pay. Yes. However, the highlight for me, I'm a cheap bitch. You can literally sign up for $2 a month to support us and you will get ad-free episodes and the monthly bonus episode every month. And we're planning on doing the major cases for our monthly bonus episodes. Think Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Bonet Ramsey, Dr. No, Dr. Death. Yes, all that. All those. The cases that typically are the ones that people request are the ones that we are going to be posting on our Patreon for at least the first little bit. We might come back and cover them on like Spotify and all that stuff later. But for now, those are going to be Patreon episodes and you can have access to those for $2 a month. So check us out and we are going to kick you out to this episode. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to part two of the Storyville Slayings. I'm excited. Right? So, in the first part of this episode... I want to know who to blame. (laughs) I do too, to be honest. So, in the first part of this episode, we posted on Friday. And go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet. In this part of this episode, we are going to be talking about... The possible suspects and theories and all that good stuff. In the first episode, we went over all of the victims and the timeline of these crimes. Yes. All right. So, first up, we already discussed a little bit, but here we are to come back in more detail about Victor Gant. We don't really know a lot about his early life. We do know that he was born... In 1962, 1963-ish, because he was 33 years old when he was accused of killing his ex-girlfriend, Sharon, and her friend, Karen. He was a boxer and a police officer, if you don't remember. It's also somewhat important that, at this time, he was definitely a very muscular male in his 30s. And he was someone that has the capability of strangling with someone. And he was a, and he is of African American descent. Oh, you don't say! As the composite said, that was the composite from the original one of the original victims. Yes, and also we do know that Victor was seen with Sharon the night before her and Karen were killed. So. Victor was hired originally by the city of New Orleans in February on February 3rd, 1980 as a garage attendant. Several years later, on February 15th, 1993, he was promoted to police officer level four, which was a patrol cop. So for me, it's important to note that like right before he got promoted is when all of this happened, when all of this started. Yes. Like the first one happened in 1991. Remember? And all of this kind of started closing up around 95, 96. So, shortly after being linked to at least Sharon and Karen's murders, Victor was let go from the police department, but charges were never officially filed against him. They don't like to do anything against their own. Well, they really didn't have any concrete evidence, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with you because I totally agree with you most of the time about that. But they're, the only thing that really linked Victor in any of this was his relationship and the history in that relationship. So that will come up in a little bit, I believe. Um, all right. But 
He was brought in for questioning, but he refused to take a polygraph, which on one hand, I'm like, bro, that makes you look guilty AF. But also, being the crime junkies we are, we know polygraphs are usually thrown out in court and everything because it's been proven that you can fudge your way out of them. And they're, they're just not reliable. Yes. Period. But investigators also reported that Victor would give them leads to follow. Other people did this. You need to talk to this person. So-and-so had this reason to do it. But none of his stories checked out. Let's, let's send you on a wild goose chase so you don't look at me. Right. In June 1995, authorities obtained a warrant for Grant's head hair, pubic hair, and saliva samples. Jeez. But the results were inconclusive. So we don't have any answers there. But also, we, once again, timeline, 90s, DNA was not that great. But we never really heard of any DNA being collected off of any of those bodies. So yeah. what were they really comparing that to? I don't know. He was officially terminated from the police force on August 24th of 1996 from Superintendent Richard Pennington for violating various police department rules following four separate internal investigations. When Pennington went public with the news, he did everything short of accusing Victor Gant of being responsible for all of the Storyville slayings. <laughs> he, Pennington pointed the finger at Gant for Karen and Sharon's murders and then proceeded to say that, like, they were very closely related to the rest of the slayings from over the years. Right. So, a lot of people notice this, especially Gant's lawyer. And he was pretty much like, hey, this is slander. <laughs> you have absolutely no proof that my... Yeah. That my... Whoa, another word. Client. Yeah, that my client was involved in any of these slayings. You barely have any proof that he's involved in the killings of Karen and Sharon, but yet here you are accusing him of 28 murders now. So that didn't turn out very pretty. But four, four months later, Gant and his current girlfriend of the time, Karen Thibodeau, filed battery complaints against each other. By the way, I am so glad that I'm from the South and I grew up around Thibodeau's because if I saw that on a sheet of paper, I would never know how to pronounce that. Oh. Thibodeau. But so I you have a thing for uh, people named Karen? I guess so. I guess so. Karen, Sharon, it's the Wren at the end. Right. According to Karen, Gant choked her and threatened her, but they ended up dropping their complaints against each other. Gant ended up appealing his dismissal from the police to the police force to the Civil Service Commission, and a hearing was held in the spring of 1997. That fall, on October 22, 1997, the examiner recommended to dismiss all charges against Gant because the police department failed to establish any violation of departmental rules that warranted disciplinary action. <laughs> what? They pretty much said that there was no reason for Victor Gant to have lost his job. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So even though there were four different inc incidents and there were four different investigations into him in his very short time as a police officer. Remember, he was promoted in 93. Yeah. This yeah. is now 96. And he's already had four investigations. But there is not enough to establish any violation of departmental rules to warrant disciplinary action. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Whatever you say. Yeah. Well, so then, So then, on April 26th of 1999, so this is like two years later, yep. the commission modified the discipline from termination to a 30-day suspension for violation <laughs> of the rules in one of the four charges. I love it here. It's great. It's mm -hmm. great nation. The commission also ordered that Gant was to be reinstated with all lost wages and other shit restored. So he's been out of work for two and a half, three years at this point <laughs> for murdering his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, sorry, ex-girlfriend for supposedly 
And the city of New Orleans has now said that he deserves to have all of that back payback and all of his vacation and all the all this. Yeah, other fuck shit. you. Yeah. So they did say that he deserved to be suspended for thirty days for violating in one of the four charges. The one charge that they found him guilty of with sufficient evidence. Officer Gant committed battery against Sharon Robinson shortly before she was murdered. But no, it's okay. He still deserves his job and not to be charged with anything. And there's no proof that he was involved in her murder. But here he is telling his superintendent, quote, I hit her in the mouth and I busted her mouth, end quote. He also said, I just pushed her to get away from me, which caused Sharon to fall and cut her nose. She like fell face first into something and cut her nose. She had to get stitches. Mm -hmm. Whenever she was at the hospital getting stitches, the doctor was asking her questions. The doctor later would testify in Gant's trial and be like, you know, you could clearly tell that she was uncomfortable. There was a male with her the whole time. He, she wouldn't really answer honestly until he left the room. So everybody around Sharon knew that she was in a bad situation. But once again, all of this testimony is not enough proof, nor is the police reports that were filed against the police officer. None of that was enough proof to hold Gant responsible for his actions. Yeah, I, I personally have never been in an abusive relationship. I don't oh, know. Oh, no, I would be the abuser. I don't. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I'd probably be the same way, but you can't say this. I'm, I'm not saying that I would be. I'm not uh, saying that I would be. I'm just saying that if some man started whooping my ass, I'd turn around and be whooping his ass. I was too. gonna say, yeah. But like I like I was saying, I was never I've never personally been in an abusive relationship, so I don't have the mindset that these women are like, but I don't understand I can never how you yeah. stay in this. And you have like how you can lie to people being like, No, no, they they didn't do they didn't mean to do this, they didn't do this to me. Like oh, we understand from the perspective of we've heard these women's stories before. We've read these women's stories before. I've done psychology studies of these women's sto stories before. But from a personal perspective. I've never lived it. I don't like personally know where you're coming from and everything. So to me, it's just. From like book sense, we get it. But from heart and mind sense, we just, we don't. I'm not that person that literally you. <laughs> You hit me one time. Guess what? That's that's. You're probably getting a punch back and deuces. I grew up with brothers. <laughs> I grew up, and I was the mean one. I am the youngest of eight. I grew up with five <laughs> older brothers. Look, Mama I learned early. You have to defend yourself. <laughs> Mama said, "Knock you out." <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, moving on. So during the trial against Gant, Sharon's daughter testified of many things. Uh, Sharon and Gant lived together for quite a long time. But specifically, she testified of the night that the police report was filed. So she said that she remembers her mother and Gant fighting really bad when Gant locked Sharon into a closet. And when she tried to get out of the closet, he punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> what? The daughter also remembers seeing Victor throw a TV at her mom, but she didn't see it hit her. She just kind of like looked away really quick. But it was at that moment that Sharon screamed and then they had to go get stitches. So you pushed her and she fell and that's how she needed to get stitches. But you have someone saying you threw an object at her. A TV. And once yeah. again... Reminder, 1994, 1995, I was a little baby, but my mom and my dad still had those TVs. Like, my grandparents still had those. They're not flat screens no. that you see today. They're big-ass 
box TVs. Even the little small 20 inch TVs were like 15, 20 pounds. Like, yes, they're big. You threw a TV at this woman. You might as well have thrown like a freaking coffee table at her. (laughs) In my opinion. Side table at the least. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So this incident happened on December 9th, 1994. Sharon and Karen were murdered in April of 95. March, April, May, somewhere around there. So this is just a few months before. Things are escalating very quickly. And she tried to get out. They did break up, and that was right around the time that he supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. So a little life da- life update on Gantt, because to this day, no charges have been filed against him. The few charges that were filed were against his misconduct at work, quote-unquote, and those were also dropped. As of now... Gant eventually left Louisiana to move to Georgia. He became a security guard for a Christian high school in Atlanta. And I found a BuzzFeed article about all of this and, or maybe it was Huffington Post, but one of them, they actually like reached out to the school and they were like, Hey, we hear that you have employed Victor Gant. We have this screenshot of him in your uniform on your school campus. Can you please tell us more? And All of a sudden, the next day, the picture gets taken down. And all of a sudden, he's never worked there, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. I wish you could see the eye roll. (laughs) That we both just had. Even before him being employed at the school. Like, just the no charges, everything. Like, my eyes just rolled so far back into my head. (laughs) Yes, because he fit the composite. He fit, to me the like not the mo but you had the fbi come come in they what is it that they uh you have like a composite sketch and every like not sketch but like you have like the description put out and everything he fits it yes he fits at least one of them yes one of the many suspects that you have but yet nothing it doesn't really feel like anything ever happened from this and, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this one, guys. I don't know. To this day, he still remains as one of the top two suspects of these killings. But I think that there's more than two, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there's more than two. There's I just think so that there much was... that... New Orleans would have been an easy place to come in, swoop in, take somebody, take them out, drop them off in a marsh sort of situation... And And as we have come to know that there have been many serial killers on the loose before we all became super fascinated with this. So my thing also, you're also saying for sure, these are all connected. So like, just because the MO fits doesn't mean you don't have like copycats or like just people that that's also kind of their MO, but they're just a, you know, this could be one of these could be just like a one off. I was in the area. Move Mm -hmm. on. I agree. I agree. All right. So suspect number two on the cops radar is Russell Elwood, who was born in Maslin, Ohio. Hey. So glad you knew how to say that. that I was depending on you. Literally. I had my um, brother's first wife is from Maslin. (laughs) Well, so is Russell Elwood, so they have something in common. Uh, Hopefully not too much. (laughs) I hope not, for her sake. (laughs) For her sake, I hope not. I love you, Stacey, if you ever listen to this. I don't know you, but I sincerely hope that you are a trillion times better. (laughs) And and it doesn't take much to be better than this guy, but we're going to continue. I hope you the best in life. So, Russell moved to New Orleans after graduating from high school in 1968, but he never really settled down in one location or with a life partner or anything like that. He moved quite often between New Orleans, Florida, Ohio, everywhere in between, just really wherever his heart took him, which bro felt. I want to do the same. I wish I could. I want to do the same. And And he would also change professions often but he mostly stuck to photography and cab driving so you can kind of easily see how both of those can take you places but granted if you're 
if you're into photography, sticking in one place would probably do you better than traveling. But also in this day of social media, who the fuck knows? But anyways, cab driver, photographer, and we already know he's a creep. So super excited about this. <laughs> Acquaintances remember Russell being an outsider. He was constantly in search of the next best get rich quick scheme. Same. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and always failing. Yeah, I hope not <laughs> for me, for huh. us. Uh, he also previously served time in both Ohio and Florida for drug tra- drug charges and pro probation violations. I try to say prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> wrong case. <laughs> wrong case. Wrong episode. But drug charges and probation violations. So. On a court record, a prostitute testified, and I couldn't find in what case this was. Like, I couldn't find if it was one of his early on cases or clearly yeah. he's being accused of murder here. Was it the murder case? I don't know. But on a court record, a prostitute testified that she would get into Elwood's car to sell him drugs. And at one point, he suddenly became very angry and said, quote, you know what I do to bitches like you? I kill them. End quote. Stand-up guy, this one. He sounds like a keeper. Where do I find one? Stand-up guy, I'm telling you. So, Russell first came to police's attention in New Orleans for these cases in 1994 when he allegedly was found masturbating in his car by the police. He was parked by the road where Cheryl Lewis and Dolores Mack's bodies were found almost a year before. So they were killed in 93 around this time. He was around the area in 94 getting his jollies off. Yeah. He was forced out of his car while he was out of his car while he was partially undressed (laughs) (laughs) to show his identification to the cops. He then told them that he was stopping to change his oil and repair the brake pads of his car and then he allowed the cops to search his car. Sir, that, that's not how you change your oil or change your brake pads. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I've never pulled my pants down <laughs> to do anything, anything besides pee on the side of the road. <laughs> I've definitely popped a squat a few times, but that's about the only reason. I mean, maybe I've had a change. I've definitely changed in the car. I have but I've changed never in my a, car. But I've never pulled over on the, like, I've always been a passenger or I've already been at my destination or, you know. Uh, as a... I'm not in bumfuck nowhere yeah. with my pants around my ankles <laughs> saying I'm here to change my car's oil. As a former club goer, I have changed in my car many a times. I have gotten the art down. <laughs> it's been a few years, so I'd probably be a little rusty, but I I can change like that. I changed my car for work just a few weeks ago. I still got it. Yeah. But when the cops searched searched his car, they did not find anything that one needs to change the oil or repair the brake pads in a car. Like, there was not even a flashlight to be found. But you're pulled over in a swampy-ass area of Louisiana in bumfuck nowhere without a flashlight. Masturbating. Like, no, quote-unquote, looking at your car. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Okay. We're buying this story, sir. (laughs) So, remember the task force that was formed? They they were like, oh, hey, (laughs) we've had like eight murders. We might need to do something about this. (laughs) Not not after one, not after two. No, eight. So, after the task force was formed, Colonel Walter T. Gorman of Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, say that five times fast, (laughs) no thank you, traveled to Sebring, Florida, to question Russell, who was living with his elderly father at the time. So, these interrogations lasted about three days, where Elwood gave several statements. He admitted to frequenting black prostitutes, using heroin, cocaine, and LSD over the years, He admitted to the cops at this time that he had a dream where he was being questioned about a series of murders and admitting to going to where the bodies were found over and over again. That was the dream. The dream was being interrogated and visiting where bodies were. Don't they say that dreams are usually like an interpretation of something? Oh, absolutely. Sir, I think that means that you're you're guilty. (laughs) Yeah, because it's your conscience. Like telling you. Anyways. So, 
he still was actively proclaiming his innocence, even while telling them about this dream. And days after these interrogations, Elwood was actually arrested for purchasing cocaine from an undercover officer. You <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> he was convicted and sentenced to 85 days in county jail. You think he's a dumbass now? Just wait. Here's my things about the ones that get, like, busted by these <laughs> undercover cops. I'm just like, one... Were you that in a pinch that you didn't go like your normal person? Ugh. And two, I also wonder, like, how do these people get, like, how do these cops get picked? Do you look at okay. somebody and go, hey, you don't look like a, no, a normal look. cop. <laughs> I can't, I can't speak for the second part. I can't speak for the undercover buying. I can't. But as for the first part, I, I'm just saying that if I were to be somebody that was into stuff into some stuff like we maybe if that were me maybe just saying it's totally me <laughs> I'm pathetically speaking you know? <laughs> totally telling them it's fucking fun my mom knows pot brownie. okay I did the well, pot brownie story true, okay my mom knows I don't give a fuck now there's no cops if you're a cop don't listen to us but anyways so i'm just saying whenever i was younger and like you're literally living from penny to penny and whatnot you really do you kind of go wherever you got to go now that i'm a little older and a little bit more established like i do it more on a regular basis and i know like every week but well, yeah, i get it not everybody's gonna now, have a regular person they see but also i'm but just even like now sometimes my regular guy like he knows that we come on a certain day and some days we'll text him and he's like, oh, man, I still can't get in touch with my guy. Or, oh, man, I just sold out or whatever it is. But, like, you know, sometimes shit happens. And especially if you are in such a bad place in your life where you're living, like, cab ride to cab ride, earning that sort of tip money, which we understand as servers, bartenders. If you're living a tip sort of lifestyle, you really do live day by day. So, like, I get it. I get the desperation, I get the payment, I get, I do get it. However, I am very, 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 very cautious, skeptical yeah. and, and cautious, so I don't understand. You ain't just gonna get from any um, Joe I'm, Schmo on the street. That's me knocking on wood. Yeah. All right. Anyways, moving on. So while in jail... Elwood confessed to his cellmates that he was involved in the killings of several prostitutes in and around the New Orleans area. You fucking dumbass! You never tell anybody! Yeah. Do you not understand these people? Yeah. I just want to know, like, do you go in and you're like, ooh, I need to prove that I'm a fucking badass because yeah. I don't want to be fucked with. I'm hard. I did this. Yeah. Like, is that is that the purpose? Like, I, I truly don't get it otherwise. <laughs> so, Stan Hill was one of the cellmates, contacted the prosecutor's office and claimed Elwood described in detail how he would pick up these women, drive them to outlying areas of areas of the city, offering them large quantities of drug that would cause them to overdose, strangle them, and dump their bodies. Just like the one victim that has Cheryl a huge Lewis. amount of cocaine no. in her system. No, that was Okos. Regina Okos. Yes. Yes. Her. Yes. Um, but Elwood claimed that he enjoyed having sex with people that were so drugged out that they could not control their own bodies. So, Yuck. basically, you had a form of necrophilia. Basically, yes. Pretty much, yes. Then Stephen Michael, another inmate, claimed that Elwood boasted of being wanted in Louisiana for 60 murders. I'm sorry, you said Stephen Michael. My, like, that's one of my brother's names. So I went, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think it's the same one. No, it definitely not. It <laughs> but is. it was just, literally, I want Stephen Michael. What? <laughs> could be but i don't think it is but all right so yeah stephen michael and then after being released from the county jail elwood went back to canton ohio to stay with his brother for a little while oh canton you say i did uh, i did do you want to tell us anything like, about canton it's just like five minutes from where i grew up because i don't know anything about canton 
So Football it's, Hall it's of Fame. A, it's, it's an all right sort of place. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, he moved to stay with his brother who offered him a very high paying position at the time. Shortly after arriving, though, the New Orleans task force showed up in Ohio to re-interview Russell. Oh, Russell denied it all, of course. He didn't kill those women. Of course, he didn't tell those inmates he did such things. He would never. Why would he do such stupid shit? I don't know, Russell. You tell us, man. You tell us. Why are you a dumbass? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but after the recorded testimony from Hill, Elwood admitted he had boasted to his fellow inmates. He said that a mental illness caused him to brag. Then he demanded for the interrogations to end so he could return to New Orleans and confer with his attorney. The FBI was like, hell no. <laughs> you don't deserve any sort of a courtesy. If you want an attorney, you need to call an attorney here now. Yeah. Because we're not letting you off the hook and get yourself to New Orleans. If you're going to New Orleans, we're You're taking coming with us, yes. yes. So then Russell confessed to killing Cheryl Lewis and Dolores Mack, which were the ones that he was arrested for being caught masturbating close to the the spots. And he very quickly rec recanted these confessions. You said when he was caught masturbating, that was a year later? After their bodies were found, yes. So you think that was him going and just remembering? Yes, I absolutely do. That is what makes me confident that he is at least one of the people guilty mm -hmm. in this. Absolutely. Um, he also refused to have his confessions videotaped. So there's that little tidbit. I didn't know that you could refuse that. Yeah, I didn't think you could. But I guess I guess you I can. Guess you could because then. that's a second form of like incrimination there. Yeah. I, I, especially at this point, I guess you could. I don't know if you can now. But eventually they released Russell because they didn't have quiet enough to hold him on, especially with a recanted, unvideotaped confession. Uh, so they had to let him go, I guess. And he returned to New Orleans sometime around January 1998. On January 16th, he was stopped for speeding and he was ticketed and then he failed to appear in court. So therefore, he was arrested for contempt of court. No, of course. He was convicted of this in order to spend 128, 120 days behind bars. It was at this time that Russell was in jail that authorities proceeded to charge him with the murders of Lewis and Mack on March 4th, 1998. The trial began a year later, June 8th, 1999. Ultimately, prosecutors dropped the charge for Mack's death um, because they were able to prove that he was actually in Ohio at that time. Okay. And I don't know if you remember, but Cheryl and Max, I mean, yeah, uh, Lewis and Max bodies were actually found like one day apart from each other. Yeah. So I, do you have proof that he drove to Ohio that day? Like, was he actually there for Cheryl? Was Cheryl found I have a few made, days later? I have made the, like, not from Louisiana, but I've made the drive from Mobile to Ohio. And that is literally, like, a full day's drive. So, even, like, depending on what time you're saying the first one was murdered to when the second one was, like, I get it. You're saying it could be possible still? But also, like, when do you, when are you saying he got to Ohio? They didn't say. So, that is a great question. But this whole thing ended up being a really big deal between the FBI and the New Orleans Police Department. Because it came to light that one of the lieutenants of the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department actually had hidden slash destroyed proof of Russell's alibi for the Mac murder. <laughs> so at this point, the FBI dismantled the task force and they started their own independent inv investigation, not only into the slayings, but also the New Orleans and surrounding police departments, specifically of the Jefferson Parish Sheriff Department and the Lieutenant Sue Rushing for hiding slash destroying this evidence. No. So they did have to drop the charge against Elwood for Max murder, 
but they did proceed with Cheryl Lewis's murder, and he was found guilty and was sentenced to life without parole on August 17th of 1999. At the time of his arrest, the police did announce that they knew that the story, the story Bill slayings were the work of more than one person, and that they you were don't say right, and that they were searching for at least four other suspects. <laughs> so that happened in 1998, where they said we know at least four other people are involved in this. To this day, 2021. No one else has been charged. No one else has been arrested in these murders. We just know that the police were very interested in Victor Gant, who they never charged. And they charged and convicted one of the murders to Russell Elwood. They do attribute a good 15 other murders to Elwood specifically. And I think that that is... That's why I try to outline every time that they noted which one was a black man, which one was a white man... Yeah, They do think that majority of the white men sightings were Russell Elwood. So one of my other things is like where the MO comes in is I think that a separate suspect was possibly the ones killing the transsexuals slash males. Yeah. Because that didn't really fit with what Victor Gant or Russell Elwood, Elwood yeah. was going for. So I think that that's a possible suspect there. And then one of my favorite theories suspects is from reddit and they someone suggested that samuel little could be responsible yes which if you don't know who samuel little is that is a whole nother i definitely story want for we one can of get us, into yeah i definitely want for one of us to cover cover samuel little little at one point because he claimed to have murdered 93 people in his lifetime and people uh, the FBI have confirmed at least 60 of those to be related to him. Yeah. He allegedly murdered women across 19 states over 35 years, ending in around 2005, whenever he was finally caught. Uh, there are definitely cases that they confirmed of his in Mississippi and Alabama, I know for sure. So it's very There's plausible. one that they just released, like, that's from Mobile, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's very plausible that... He was going through New Orleans at the time, and he was part of the, con like, he contributed to these numbers. Yeah. So, I do love that theory, but he has since passed away, so we cannot confirm. You can't get direct thing unless you can find some sort of, like, DNA or something. And as I already him. said, there's not a whole lot yeah. of DNA that has been mentioned, at least. And that could be something that the police are holding close to their chest and... That's cool, too. Let's be honest. That's what they like to do a lot of the time. Yeah. And the last theory that I want to talk about today is Clay. And this is just kind of like a funny slash not funny thing. But in August 1997, the Howard Stern Show received a phone call that many people questioned the validity of. During the live broadcasted phone call... Clay described in detail more than 12 murders and some details about his background, and he said he was a white resident of New Orleans. So FBI agents actually went to the Howard Stern studio and seized the audio recordings to establish the caller's location and possibly their identity, uh -oh. which unfortunately they were not able to do either. But many people question these calls. They wonder if Howard Stern... Was it like a sketch? staged it the, himself to boost the ratings no it was an actual like phone call like he yeah yeah he took the phone call but that's why i'm saying like was it like something that they had planned out that's the question yeah howard says no howard says it was a real life he was taking other phone calls before and after this he actually thought that the guy was joking on the other end of the phone before he actually went into details about the murder, and then that was kind of whenever Howard was like, all right, I'm taking this seriously. Let me see what information I can get out of him, and started asking him questions. And the FBI actually think that this call is legit, because the caller knew details of the murders that had not been leaked to the public that only the killer would have known. Yeah, that... So I saw Howard Stern, and like you, I was like, oh, <laughs> no, this is not, this is not real, because it's Howard Stern. But 
the FBI actually thinks that it is. So I thought that that was very interesting. Yeah. And there is a good group of people out there that think that Clay is Russell Elwood. I mean... I can see it, and I can also not see it. I could see Clay ending, ending up being one of the other random suspects. I will say they're saying there's 12. up to four. Yes, because he's claiming 12 bodies, and Russell Elwood kind of claimed like 15 bodies or something like that. But the 15 was before he was actually taken into custody. Yeah. When, once he was in custody, that's when it was 15. At the time of the phone call, he was not in custody, and he said 12. So it... It could be. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, these these people that get arrested and then suddenly they're like, oh yeah, I killed so-and-so too. It's like, did you actually? Or did you, are you or just you be trying more... to, like, you beef be up well your known. yeah, beef up your victim count? Like, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I stand at the end of this episode. At the end of the last episode, I asked you for your theories because I wanted to hear them. And here I am at the end of the second theory, at the end of the second episode, and I can't give you my theory. Like I said, it is definitely more than two. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I do think Russell Elwood... Also, like I said in the first one, are all of these victims actually connected... Like, or were you just throwing them in and you're like, this. Because it happened in the time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, there's a lot you can go on. I mean. I would love for this case to break wide Snowball. <laughs> yes. I, and that's part of the, like, why we also said we want to do a podcast. Because we're one of the, we're those people that will get together. And if you can talk true crap, we will freaking <laughs> talk snowball off. we will throw in other people be like have you heard of this guy i have all the conspiracy theories but yes i also want to bring up eventually we are going to cover israel keys we are both oh. very interested but what if one of the israel keys theories is that it was actually a group of people so what if this Which group of people fascinates me, but also terrifies, terrifies me? <laughs> but what if this group of people have been working across the country for a lot longer than just Israel Keys, yes. little small set, whatever? And what if like something along those lines was going on here? Where he Israel is like he made these people basically disappear. Oh, yeah. So, like, the fact but that there's this bodies. The learning? But he could also be why there's skeletal remains. This could have been the learning years or <laughs> yeah. something. Oh. <laughs> it's just throwing throwing out conspiracy, conspiracy theories. That's what I'm good at. But, yeah, this case has me very, very intrigued. Um, there were quite a lot of episodes that were based off of this. There was, like, a Law & Order SVU episode based off of it. There was a Criminal Minds episode where whenever Reed was talking about the suspect, he mentioned Victor Gant and Russell Elwood. I would say Victor Gant, like, when you met, I was like, I feel like I've heard this name or at least the last name. Yeah, yeah. So you've definitely probably seen this story in some form or another or heard it if you are a true crime person like we are. And I had heard of it but i did not know it like the I did full extent until i did this and like trish came over a couple of nights ago to record this and i was still steady just like eyes she was like i screen. need to stop <laughs> eyes glued on the screen i was like i swear i've been researching this for four days and i just can't stop i just i, I have to keep going because the more that i dug into it the more it just kept blowing my mind especially yes. whenever you got into victor gant and like i literally pulled up the transcript of his court appearances and his like appealing for his job back and when the city of new orleans was like you know what bro you're right we really mistreated you and you deserve your money back i was like who the fuck are you <laughs> not don't the get, city i love don't get me started <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. Yes. We, we are looking forward to hearing what you think of this because 
Cool. I want to discuss. I want to discuss. We're going to have the Instagram post up, the TikTok post up. Find us on one of those. We'll also have the Twitter. It links over to Twitter and Facebook. Whatever you prefer to use for social media, please email find the post on this case and talk to us because I I need to let it all out. I let it out for two hours this time yes. and it's still not enough. I'm not done talking about this. So. We also have Patreon, which one of the tiers, like there's like a Q&A portion of it. Like if you want to get into this on there. Yeah, we're going to do a monthly happy oh. hour on Patreon starting starting in January. So we're, we're going to drink and answer questions from y'all if you would like to send some in. But yeah, uh, we are going to kick you off to the last call for this episode. And we'll see you there. All right. Welcome to another last call. I'm Trish, your bartender. And after that wild ride, we're going to, we're going to kind of tone it down, tone it down a bit. But this last call I found on TikTok and then had to make sure it was true from myself because the fat kid in me. Needed to make sure that these snack returns were true. Who returns a snack? No, not even just like ones that have been discontinued oh. and are returning to light. Like animals. Yes. <laughs> so we all love our snacks and <laughs> I am a person that loves to snack while watching TV or movies or even drinking. Like anybody that knows me. No, I'm a snack queen. <laughs> I, if I'm drinking or whatnot, I need chips or something. So, and we are now in 2022. These snacks are making a triumphant return. All right, let's go. First off, we have Oreo Cakesters, which I don't know if you remember what those ones were. I do. They were like whoopie pies, right? Pretty much, yes. They are some. They were given to us in 2007. They lasted about four years before Oreo decided to discontinue them. And in early 2022, they're supposed to make a return to shelves. I'm going to have to keep that on my agenda for today. <laughs> I said, Logan will be so happy. She is the Oreo queen. <laughs> I love me some Oreos, but I cannot keep them in the house because I eat them by the bag. Yep. Same. <laughs> Made Oreo balls for Christmas. And... Yeah. <laughs> Another snack making its return. Skills has been skills for how long? The green flavor has changed. Yeah. It was lime and now yeah. it's green apple. Well, guess what? Lime is supposed to make a return. Okay, this is the third year I've heard that. So I'm not believing it until I see it on the bag. So, for the last eight years, we've all been eating apple-flavored Skittles in our packs. <laughs> yes. And then they're saying that October of 2021, they changed the original pack flavor back to lime. So, we have to check our... I, I don't buy Skittles too often. It's not my go-to candy anymore. But I guess I will have to, next time I'm at Walmart or something, pick up... You know, Skittles, at Skittles directly, guys. If you would have kept it the lime flavor, Skittles might be my go-to candy of all times. <laughs> but you changed it eight years ago and you broke my heart. And now I go to Reese's and Sweet Tarts. Oh, it used to be Reese's and Skittles. I'm a fruity per Like, I love... If I'm asking for fruity flavored stuff or, like, sour stuff, guess what? It's usually that time of the month for me. Oh. I... Yep. Give me I don't give me chocolate. Give me sour, fruity flavored snacks. Okay. Yep. But sour patch kids. Yes, that is my go-to. Give me a pack of punch straws. Those are good too. The but blue raspberry. Sour patch kids are my all-time favorite. Do you remember when baby bottle pops used to have sour flavors? Yes. They were the <laughs> yes. best. Like I did not care for the little sucker. I just wanted the powder. I would <laughs> Pour it straight into my mouth. Just, oh my gosh. Warheads were my go-to back in like high school. I would Skittles until my mouth was raw. Yep. <laughs> I do that with Sour Patch Kids though. Raw. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so next time I'm at the store, I will have to pick up 
what is considered the original pack of Skittles and look to see if it says lime. I probably won't remember it. I was going to say, I'll probably forget. But if you do, let us know. Let us know if it's actually lime because I'm not buying that shit. Another snack that is making return that I am so excited about. And if I see these in store, I will probably pick up so many packs. Do you remember cream savers? Yes. They are supposed to be making a return after a decade of being gone from our shelves. Definitely up your alley. <laughs> it It's two popular flavors of strawberries and cream, which was my go-to. I did not care for any of the others. But strawberries and cream and oranges and cream is making a return to 47 states on big lot shelves. I'll keep my eye out for you. If you find a pack... I just want one. I don't care. <laughs> I loved the strawberry cream savers. Those were, those are my thing. They're the perfect balance of sweet and not too sweet. And then finally, we all know Taco Bell likes to break our hearts and take things over away. and over and over again. I just want my nacho fries to be a year-long thing. Okay. I want the... The beefy crunch burrito back <laughs> from like 2008, yeah. 2009. <laughs> but at least they finally gave us our potatoes back. Yeah. That was a long year without it. We are potato hoes. Potato hoes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But <clears throat> we all know Mexican pizza got taken away. Yep. My friend Lindsay is just as upset as you are. Mexican pizza is supposed to be making its return. So, like I said, when Taco Bell revamped their menu, they took away a lot of, like, favorites from the menu. And Taco Bell loyalists definitely let them hear. And Taco Bell has finally started listening. So, this year, Mexican pizzas are supposed to be making a return. What? Okay, hold on. I got it. Did you know? <laughs> like I said, Mexican pizzas are supposed to be making a return. Now, if only I can convince them to give me my nacho fries year round, I will be the happiest person alive. All right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> but those are the, the few couple of snacks that I found that are supposed to be returning this year. So 2022, as far as snacks go, is looking bright. I can't decide if I'm more excited about the Oreo Cakesters or the Mexican pizza. <laughs> I think the Mexican pizza. I think so. Because Taco Bell is my babe. Taco Bell holds a special plate. <laughs> like, literally, if I met a celebrity versus somebody that, like, worked at Taco Bell right now, I would be all about the person that worked at Taco Bell. Like, tell me all about it. Can you give me some free coupons? Can you put my name on one of those sauce packets for me? I don't care about the celebrity. Give me the Taco Bell employee. <laughs> that That's my last call for you. If you know of any other snacks maybe returning that I didn't find out about, let us know. We are tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, remember, all that. Remember, we do our drinks on Instagram and TikTok every week. So remember to check that out. Follow us. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, and rate us if you can. It really does mean a lot, and it makes a big difference for us. Unless you're going to rate us like three stars or below, then don't. <laughs> yeah, Four and five stars only, bitches. Positive <laughs> energy for us in 2022. Yes. Also, if you're seeing our post on Instagram and that, please just like it. You know, interact with it in some way. It does help us. It boosts us. It lets it go to just random people stuff like that if you've been listening for a while and you're like what you hear share it with people like yeah it helps in ways because even if you don't think they're gonna like it who knows they might or they might know somebody that will like it yeah so, absolutely it definitely helps us we and we appreciate it so much yes y'all are helping us make our dreams come true at the we time of recording this this is now 
a month of us doing this and yes <laughs> it's we, surreal to think we've been doing this for a month now <laughs> well we get pretty ahead of what we're posting we're usually a couple of weeks ahead so by the time that this comes out we It'll are be celebrating two months. our two month anniversary yeah. like right on the dot actually so happy two month anniversary to us and thank y'all for helping us get here this far yes did we talk about patreon no i was gonna say okay Patreon's so we do the next also thing. have our patreon we have several different tiers starting at two dollars a month two freaking dollars a month guys you can give up a starbucks drink to help support your bffs it gives you ad free episodes which at this time hopefully maybe we have some ads for you which we just you probably don't like but it's helping us yeah and we're we're trying to do everything right. We, we have officially become an LLC, so we are an official business as of two days ago. So we are trying to figure out how to open up the bank account as an official business instead of using our own personal ones. So there's a lot of like back stuff that goes into this, but we are taking big positive steps over here. And your support really helps us yes. take the next big step. So like thank you all so if much. If you want ad-free two dollars is all we ask from you you also do get a bonus episode and as you go up in price in our tiers you get a little more you get more bonus episodes you get some merchandise some really awesome stuff is coming your way um another area where we're kind of debating what we want to do is we can either do merchandise through patreon exclusively or we're looking at getting a cricket and making our own merchandise so if you have an opinion about that let us know as well yeah. But that's about it for today, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Hot Mess Express. We hope you enjoyed everything. And yeah, just, just see us next time. Us. Every Tuesday, Friday, we're here. And just remember to love us because we love you. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.